This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hello, my name is Jeremy Bastion, creator of Curse Pirate Girl, and you are listening to The Two-Headed Nerd. With Joe and Matt? Oh, shoot. <laughs> With Joe and Matt. Yeah, Thanks you did it. <laughs> sort of, sort of break it, break it down like good. Let's win some awards. I'm ready to sound beautiful. Welcome to episode 119 of THN. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, June 13th. My name is Matt Bomb. That's at Matt Bombstein on the Twitter. When I'm not explaining why sometimes you need an eight-sided die or perhaps a three because a ten-sided dice can't solve everything to my wife, I write the Comic Speculator blog for WorkPoint.com. I'd like you to explain to me what exactly a three-sided die is. Three-sided. One, two, three. It's a triangle one. That's a four-sided die. It's a four-sided die, you idiot. You're an idiot. Go ahead. (laughs) And I'm Joe, one take Patrick. That's Joe Patrick 116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not complaining about being bleeped during the answer of the week, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of Good Plus, which you can find at goodpluscomic.com. Listen. The answer of the week is the only place I gotta be me. Mm, not anymore, buddy. You're too dirty. <sighs> this week on the show, you hear reviews of Superman Unchained and Gerard Way's Return to Comics, The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys. After that, we'll put on our Superman capes and travel through time. We'll review ten more of this week's new comics during the ludicrous speed round, and we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Perry White and the ghost of Great Caesar himself will tell us the secrets of next week's comics, and finally... MC Joe Patrick will take the mic and do anything he likes because the comic pushers are back, y'all. I'm going to wave my hands in the air like I just don't care. And they're going to get some comic junkie all f- up. But before we get to all that jazz, let's take a moment to write Rupert Murdoch a sympathy letter and then send a dozen roses with a hotel number on the card that hottie windy dang. And then we'll talk about this week's big news. They're getting divorced. I get it. I watched the yeah, news. Yeah. They're getting divorced. <laughs> Happy day, Matt Bomb. Hot on the heels of the inevitable success of Man of Steel, Warner Brothers has sealed the deals necessary to put a live-action Archie movie into production. I cannot wait. Occasion- Occasional comic and screenwriter Roberto Aguirre Sacasa will handle the script, which Deadline seems to think will revolve around the upcoming Afterlife with Archie zombie comic. What? That seems unlikely, considering their sources are promising, quote, High school comedy based on the original line of Archie comics set in present day Riverdale. All I know is that Matt has had his Archie Dreamcast list in his back pocket for years. Matt Bomb, lay it on me. Michael Sarah. As Archie. Jughead. What? Come on. No. Michael Sarah's not an Archie. He's Archie. He's not He's Archie. He's cute. They make him a redhead. No, He's Archie. No, Who's your Archie? No. Come on, hit me. Who's your Archie? I. I don't have one. Yeah. I'm not the one with the Dreamcast list in my back pocket, but not Michael Sarah. Yeah, he's Archie. Or the black-haired gay kid from Glee. I don't know. Uh, I don't think I could be any more vague. He was the boyfriend of the brown-haired kid from Glee. <laughs> Stop it. I don't know. I haven't watched Glee for like two seasons. Sure. I gave up. What? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Did I, did I mention I don't care about this? I don't care. I don't like Archie. I don't need an Archie movie. I'm upset that you picked this as a, the story that leads off the news. Slow news week. I have nothing to say about this. <laughs> I, mean, I don't uh, know. Listen, I, I think there's room in this universe for an Archie movie. Sure. Who's going to go? I don't know. Perverts, they can make Archie. Too. They can Perverts. make Archie relatable to the Utes. I don't care. 
I couldn't care less. You're a bad person. In other Hollywood news, the Guardians of the Galaxy casting news keeps getting crazier. Online reports have stated that John C. Riley, originally thought to be playing Roman D, will now instead be playing Ronan the Accuser. Try not to make it obvious that we've recorded this once already. <sighs> High energy! Just keep going. Other less reputable rumors state that Doctor Who's Karen Gillan, who was cast in an unspecified role a few weeks ago, is playing Neil Gaiman's Angela in the film, because that makes all the sense in the world. <laughs> Finally, multiple sides have reported that Benicio Del Toro has been offered a role in the film as well, though none of these reports are confirmed. It's a safe bet that these well-known actors aren't playing throwaway background roles. Joe Patrick... How many more characters can James Gunn cram into this movie before it becomes a Robert Altman film? This is a lot of characters and a lot of like relatively high name, big name actors. And neither Benicio Del Toro nor John C. Riley are characters that I think of in highbrow action sci-fi, you know? Yeah, or even lowbrow <laughs> action sci-fi. That's not to sci-fi. say that they're not capable, but that's well, listen, certainly not my Ronan the Accuser. John C. Riley did make Talladega Nights. Yeah, I'll give you that. He's not my Ronan the Accuser. No, that's fair. Well, but what if Benicio Del Toro is Ronan the Accuser? No. No. I'm sorry. No. First of all... <laughs> Can you imagine Ronan the Accuser sounding like Benicio Del Toro in the comics? <laughs> oh, boy. He'll flip you. He'll flip you for real. <laughs> I don't know. And you've got to wonder if some of this is to throw us off the scent of what's actually going on. Maybe. We know that Marvel likes to do that. They leak- Well, no, no, no. This, none of this is from Marvel. This right. is all from uh, Hollywood websites and rumor right. mags. There was all like- manner of Saying Ooh, that Karen gu- Gillan is in is in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, right? And they were saying the Guardians were going to show up in the end of Iron Man three. So I just I don't trust any of this. It's true. And until I hear from Marvel, until I see somebody in a costume, it's all right. speculation. I I put this in because I wanted to talk about the idea of Angela being in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And I don't know if I'm okay with it. I don't it. get it. I don't like it. I don't understand it. There's plenty of places. If you want to fart Angela into the Marvel U, there's plenty of places you could do that, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I have nothing against Neil Gaiman bringing Angela to Marvel. Even no. though I wasn't a Spawn fan, I don't know anything about the character. There's nothing to know. What I mean, like... She's a sexy fallen angel. She's a badass. I mean, give me well, a break. Obviously, they're going to have to spin her a little differently because her continuity was tied to spawns. You can introduce her anytime you want. You'd yeah. Like, this I, is the first time we've ever seen her. But the idea of them bringing her into the Marvel Universe, maybe it's just that she hasn't appeared yet. That makes it unpalatable to me. No, I don't think that's If we'd had a few stories with her, I'd be like, oh, okay. It doesn't make sense. This throwaway character that we do not care about. And I go back to what I said uh I think it was about a month ago when we were talking about... We don't about, know that she'll be a throwaway character. Well, no, what I'm saying... According she, to the solicits, she's going to be on the team. What I'm saying is she was a throwaway character initially. Oh, in Spawn, yeah. Yeah, complete throwaway character. We never heard from her again. The only reason I can see Neil Gaiman doing this is to wave a gigantic middle finger in the face of Todd McFarlane. <laughs> sure. That's it. They I should said it get, before. I saw you say it again. Then they should get John Leguizamo to play Angela. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Finally, Boom Studios has announced that they will be publishing a comic based on the popular FX drama Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy is about the lives of a close-knit outlaw motorcycle club operating in Charming, a fictional town in California's Central Valley. The show centers on the protagonist Jackson, Jax Teller, the then vice president of the club, who begins questioning the club and himself 
Thank you, Wikipedia. I watch it. I could have told you all this. Well, I needed to write something. Okay. <laughs> I've only seen the first episode. I loved Sons of Anarchy. The creative team for the series will consist of Hellboy writer Christopher Golden and irredeemable artist Damien Cusiero, with covers by scalped artist R.M. Guerra. Now, Matt, as a fan of the show, are you happy to see it come to comics? Sure. Absolutely. I like Christopher Golden. I like this artist. I like R.M. Guerra. There's no reason why they can't do more with Sons of Anarchy. I, Yeah, I'm totally down. But is Sons of Anarchy the kind of show that's just begging to have more untold stories out there? Well, let me ask you, what is begging to have more untold stories? Like, I think, you know, you know something like... To answer your question with a question. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know. I mean, not that, not that I, I haven't read them, so I can't say for sure. So I don't know if they were any good, but like... Something like Eureka or Warehouse 13, where it's, you know, problem of the week kind of right. serial, like syndicated serial well, type look, stuff. But that's like all any of these shows are is problem of the but week. Sons of Why Anarchy this be isn't other, really like that. Other problem of the, Sure it is. You've never watched it. Oh, come Every on. Every week is another like, oh, man, the Mexicans that we're dealing heroin for freaked out and killed it's someone like, we like. You know what? I don't really need the, like, I don't, this sounds to me like bringing Justified to comics. I don't need that. I don't want the untold tales of Raylan Givens. If it was good, I would read the untold tales of Raylan Givens. Oh, of and course I would. Love I would, it. I would read it i just don't know like don't. i can't believe i'm saying this yeah. but do we need it i don't think your argument holds up here oh my see this is what it's like to argue with you hi my name is joe patrick if it's good yes we need it well, I, i'm see? just saying it needs to be good that's it oh i think we both learned something it today. just needs to be good thank you well, That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page where you can see Joe Patrick getting jumped into the Lords of Discipline. And let me just warn you, each week, the Ebert to my Siskel, Joe Patrick posts the question of the week on our Facebook and Twitter, and we not only read your responses, but if you call us on the Skype, our Skype name is Two Headed Nerd, or at the Ziggurat Direct Line, that phone number is 402-819-4894, and leave us a message. We'll play them on the Answer of the Week audio blog exclusively at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Joe Patrick, what did we ask these nerds this week? This week is a very special question of the week. Man of Steel is out today. Many of us have seen it. Some of us have not. Matt Baum hasn't seen it. I have. I have not seen it yet. So we want to know what you thought of the Man of Steel movie. We posted it on the Facebook. We're asking, do not post spoilers on the Facebook page. They will be removed. I will, re- I will delete them with prejudice. And we will not read them on the air. That's right. We have a phone number. We just read it. We have, you can send us direct messages. On Facebook, you can send us an email to it at nerd at gmail.com. And those can be as spoilerific as, as you want. That's right. And next week, we will be doing a special roundtable discussion, answer of the week, colon, Man of Steel. Well, we guest starring occasional guest host Dave DeMarco. And possibly Willie Toots. And possible Willie Toots. Possibly Willie Toots. Possibly. Impossibrew. It's going to be something. What? Impossibrew. What is that? I don't know. I don't it's either. from Reddit. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> This is all going to get deleted. Please leave your Reddit humor <laughs> outside the ziggurat, sir. So, go to Facebook, read the question, send us a message, send us an email, leave us a voicemail. What did you think of Man of Steel? 
If you have non-spoilerific opinions, feel free to post them on yeah, Facebook. Share them there. Just no spoilers, dude. That's right. That's the only rule. And we'll talk to you about this more next week. It's review time on THN, where Joe and I pick two of this week's comics and throw them into the ring with two vicious pugs to see how long they can last. Joe Patrick, what'd you read this week? And is it still breathing? It's my turn. My review for this week is of Superman Off the Chain, number one. <laughs> That's just, it's the title is the worst. It's the dumbest title, right? This is from DC Comics. It's written by Scott Snyder with art by Jim Lee. Here is your solicit. When 13 satellites fall from the sky in one day, the logical suspect is Lex Luthor, even though he's still locked up in prison. But a stranger question remains. If Superman didn't stop the last satellite from falling, who did? There's a mystery hidden where even Superman can't see it. Can the Man of Steel drag a decades-old secret into the light? Don't miss the blah, 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 blah. As the loyal THN listeners may remember, I have a deep connection to DC Comics in general and to Superman in particular, so... The last 20 months have been especially painful to me as a fan. I let myself become cautiously optimistic when Superman Unchained was announced. Scott Snyder is one of my favorite modern writers, and his enthusiasm for each project he works on is easy to see. Having Jim Lee on the art doesn't hurt either, but I haven't let his name sway my decision to read a book since All-Star Batman and Robin. Imagine my delight when Superman Unchained ended up being not only good, but great. And the first, quote-unquote, real Superman story I feel like I've read in the New 52. Yeah, felt like Superman, right? It really did. The issue opens in 1945 and reveals the true reason for the destruction of Nagasaki before leaping to the present day where Superman is dealing with a series of satellites that are falling from orbit. It's an exciting scene that not only shows off how capable Superman is, but also illustrates how important it is for him to protect those around him. After touching base with every member of the supporting cast, Superman starts to investigate the mystery of the falling satellites and finds more than he bargained for. Snyder delivers a pitch-perfect script in this issue. His voices for Clark, Lois, Jimmy, Lex, and Perry are all dead on, in my opinion. I especially liked the scene with Lex. Uh, they're falling. <laughs> He's in a prison helicopter getting transferred, and it's falling from the sky. And the prisoners have taken over, and they're freaking out, and Lex is just playing with a book. No, he's very yeah, calm reading. And, and they're like, oh my god, oh my god, yeah, he it's a, out. He's like, settle down, will yeah, you? It's a We're really, in Metropolis. <laughs> it's a really wham! great scene. <laughs> now, I will say the issue does rely on the status quo set up in past New 52 Superman issues, but Snyder fills readers in without bogging it down with exposition. There's a two-page backup by Snyder and Dustin Wynn that hints at an even deeper mystery, and I am hooked. Jim Lee's on top of his game, which is no surprise, but I'll say that I'm not interested at all in seeing badass Superman. Every three pages, there's a panel of Superman doing something cool, catching a plane, whatever, and except he's covered in shadows. Unchaining himself. And his eyes are all glowy. <laughs> yeah. Enough already. Now, a lot of fuss has been made about the huge... Four-page fold-out inside. It's really gimmicky. I get it, but really, who cares? At best, Jim Lee wanted to do something special for the first issue, and at worst, it's a marketing stunt. It's over now. Let's move past it. It didn't impede my enjoyment of this issue one bit. I unfolded it. I slapped it right back inside. Done. However, including the poster caused DC to raise the price to 4 dollars 
which is a bit shady. It's dumb. When you consider that, aside from the interview that pads out the book, yeah. I don't think the story is any longer than It normal. isn't. It isn't. Per, it's the same length as any other two ninety nine or three ninety nine book on the stand. Like, it did have a very short backup, so I can see why it's three ninety nine. And I like the idea. Was it was it gutsy to do something like that? Yeah, that's it's, cool. And at the very least, it's interesting artistically. It is beautifully drawn. But here's my thing. As... I mean, as a collector, yeah, you have to remove the poster from the book. But you can put it back in. To be able to read it. But. Because they covered up the word bubbles. I'm not even going to take that. I just kind of. No way. I'm I not even going to take that risk. The, the cardboard a little and read around. I thought it was dumb. I thought it was L- dumb. Listen. And the picture that they picked was very cool. Sure. But it would have worked On just as well had you just had to turn the book. Just give me some double page spreads. Yeah. Do a double page spread that we have to turn vertically. Yeah. So it's, you know, longer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just as cool. I'm not saying it's not dumb, but it's not such a big deal it was dumb. that it's a. It's not a deal breaker. It's dumb that it cost, It made the book cost $1 more. Listen. That's dumb. We said it already. All right, all right. God. It's dumb. I had a great time reading this issue. The problems aside, I'm happy to have a version of Superman in the New 52 that I can get invested in. Superman Unchained gets a huge buy it from me. I was stunned that I enjoyed it as much as I did. I loved it as well, too. Let me start by saying I also hate the title Superman Unchained. It's bad. They could have called this The Adventures of Superman. They could have called Superman, this Superman colon, the, the Man of Steel. Yes. I mean, it's, you have a movie and called also, The Man of Steel. There is precedent for those titles. Yes. And I also get that the imagery, there, there is a, an imagery at play with Superman literally breaking free from chains. That is decades old, time worn, iconic imagery. But you know what's not on the cover of this issue? Superman breaking from the Yeah, nothing like that. I, I just don't get it. Where it's on un- one of the variants. This unchained bullshit came from, but that's it's, it's not a bad the title. point. It's an excellent issue. Scott Snyder has proven that he can work in the New 52 and do it well, and it makes me question the other creators that are writing Superman right now that aren't doing the best of jobs. Now, maybe Scott Snyder is completely free of editorial, and they said, we trust you, just write us a good Superman story. I don't know. Maybe. I that's mean, all supposition, but this was great. The four ninety nine thing bothers me. I'm not going to lie. But it will only be that one issue. I understand that. But there's a value issue there. And it's a great read. And I do think it's probably worth five bucks. But if you're on a budget and you're buying a lot of comics and you haven't been happy with Superman, it might be hard to pull the trigger on this because it is five bucks. Well, then wait a month and buy it digital. I'm saying it's a good read. It's totally worth it. I'm giving it a buy it as well. Yeah. Really enjoyed this one. Jim Lee looks great. The story was fun. I have no idea who the bad guy is. I think he's a new bad guy. All new, I believe, is The backup story set up some super creepy stuff. A lot of fun. Big buy it from me. Yeah. Matt, tell me about the true lives of the fabulous Killjoys. This week, I read The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys, just like you said. Just like I said. <laughs> Number one from Dark Horse. This was written by Gerard Way with art by Becky Cloonan. Here's your solicit. Years ago, the Killjoys fought against a tyrannical megacorporation, Better Living Industries, costing them their lives, save for one, the mysterious girl. I read this last week. I'm not going to finish it. This was the first <laughs> new comic I read this week, and it was mainly because I was really excited to read more from Gerard Way, who had previously given us the Umbrella Academy, which was also from Dark Horse. And the Umbrella Academy's both volumes, there were two storylines, were excellent. They were some of the best superhero comics I have ever read. When I heard he would be working with Becky Cloonan, I was even more excited. I loved her work on Brian Wood's demo and more recently on Brian Wood's Conan. And she is amazing here. Cloonan has this thick-lined, 
cartoon style that reminds me a little bit of a more realistic Brian Lee O'Malley, sort of like Brian Lee O'Malley minus the manga inspiration, perhaps. She did a her work is pretty manga inspired. It you is, can definitely but see not it. so it's much toned down a little. Yeah. But. She did a wonderful job bringing the characters to life. I thought her work on the Drax were a group of white suit wearing hunters that wear these masks with fangs was really effective and very creepy. Unfortunately, I don't have the slightest clue what was going on here. (laughs) Way's story reads more like lyrics than a comic book. And there's this really strange narration from this DJ that I think is supposed to be sort of spelling out a story, but he comes off like Wolfman Jack on PCP. And the way that unnamed characters are just tossed around mixed with scene changes that I couldn't even grab onto. I, I could not keep up, let alone follow the story here. I know there's a I know there's a girl named Girl, and the Killjoys, who died years ago, thought she was some kind of messiah. I know there's a group of Killjoys fans called the Ultra Vs in the desert that are continuing the fight against BLI, Better Living Whatever. Industries. Better Living Industries. The only character that I can recall after reading this issue is a character named Volume, and I only remember him, and now thinking back, it may have been her. No, it was a him. It was a him? I only remember him because he died. That's it. The story, from what I looked at after the fact, is based on the last My Chemical Romance record, and it was of the same name. But the only reason I know any of that is because I went to Wikipedia after I read this issue because I was so damn lost. The solicit set it up to an effect, but the way that it was written in just this weird lyrical prose and the flashing back and forth between Battery City, which is where all the rich sort of controlled people live, and the desert where these punk kids live that really had no voice and I didn't care about. It was just confusing. There was too much... There were too many characters without any development and too much stuff that was just thrown at me, like the Drax. They were very cool looking. I like the idea that like this, you put on this mask and you turn into this mindless hunter trying to like kill anyone that has any individuality or whatever and put a mask on them and turn them into one too. That's cool, but you've got to explain that a little bit. How did we get here? What are they? Are they zombies? Is this magic? Is it technology? What is going on? <laughs> like, I understand this is an issue one, but there was just too much going on here and not enough information to discern a story or even a character to root for. Even the main character, Girl, I think she had four lines in this comic. I learned nothing about her other than she carries a boombox and has a cat. I got that. (laughs) Maybe this will pan out into a legible story after six issues, but for now, I wish Way would keep his music out of my comics. I will take more Umbrella Academy and less of whatever this was. I hate to do it because I love Becky Cloonan, but I'm giving this a leave it. I just didn't even know what to make of it. It was schizophrenic. See, and I don't I didn't feel as disjointed as you. You know, I it was definitely all over the place and it bounced between city and desert like you said, but I felt like I had a fine grasp of what was going on. I guess I didn't really I didn't really feel like I needed them to explain every bit of it to me. Like I don't, I don't need to know why the Drax are the way they are. I'm not saying I need to be It's enough to know that, that you stuff. put on that mask and it's bad. Right. I'm just saying I picked one thing out of the book. 
that went, well, that's really weird. I'd like to know more about that. Well, there were 15, 20 more things. Like, who are the guys wearing the masks with the dots on them? What's the deal with the two sex droids that are in love with each other? Why is the city dangerous to walk around in if everyone is safe there? You know, like, there was so much stuff that flashed backwards and forwards. Why does this one guy not get upset when their friend dies? What? Oh, pardon me. Why does the whole group not get upset when their friend dies, but one guy does? You know, like they I, explain that barely. No, they completely <laughs> like, explained that. They explained that he doesn't believe there's an afterlife or whatever. No, he explained that they all believe that he went off to this better place or wherever uh, the, the to be with the Phoenix Witch. What does that mean? It doesn't matter. All that matters is that they believe it. See, I, and that they that they believe that he's moved on, that he's not gone. And the one guy, the leader, is like, I, he doesn't believe in it, and I so just, he's upset. I took nothing away from this, and I even thought some of the jumps from panel to panel barely made sense. Where it went, like, there's a scene where it goes from Battery City to the scene of that guy. Who, you know what? I'll give you five dollars if you can name that character. Ooh, the guy that doesn't believe in the Phoenix Witch. Yeah, I can't name any the, of the main, characters. the leader of the Ultra V's. The guy, the only guy that had more than one line. I know the that Vs. the DJ, one of the DJs, is named Cherry Cola. <laughs> yeah, and that was the backup DJ that had no lines. <laughs> they named him. Uh, no, I can't name him. But I mean, that's my point. There was just nothing to grab onto here. Nothing. I don't know. I, I I'm not saying I loved it. Like, I love Umbrella Academy, and when Umbrella Academy was as good as it was, right. I was floored. And it was weird, because but I, I was, could follow Umbrella Academy. Because when you when somebody came to me and said, uh, the lead singer of My Chemical Romance is writing a comic, right? I would have been like, I do not want anything to do with that piece yeah, of and I'm shit. Not, I'm not touching that, and I don't like their music, and I'm not judging this based on the fact that it is based off their concept record or whatever. I'm saying it feels like he's hammering a concept record into a comic now but see, and i don't I'm know saying, if it works i'm willing to judge it as a whole rather than on the first issue and there was enough there for me to give it a skim it all right because i didn't hate it and i wasn't lost i it did bounce around a lot and i'm just kind of i guess i'm trusting that the things i will need will be explained look i hope so i really and do if at the end of the day they are not then i'll be with you but right now i feel like i have enough information to move forward see coming into this and removing myself and just trying to put myself in everyday comic reader that goes into, like, I'm at the comic shop, someone says, what should I buy this week? And I haven't read The Killjoys yet, and I go, oh man, The Umbrella Academy was great, this guy is awesome, you should read this comic, it's gonna be awesome. And I hand it to dude, and he goes home and reads it, and goes, what the f*** just happened? <laughs> you know? That's, I set it down, and I said out loud, what the f*** did I just read? You know, like, I, I'm sorry. Maybe it was over my head. Maybe I'm not intelligent enough to follow Maybe this. you're a dummy. Maybe I am, but I did not care for it. All right. Fair enough. Drink. So that is a double buy it for Superman Unchained, a leave it, and a skim it for the true lives of the fabulous Killjoys, number one. Joe Patrick's obviously a smarter comic book reader than I am. I've been at this a long time, you know. Of course, we want to know what you Men of Steel and fake punk rockers thought of these comics. That's a dig, by the way. So use your x-ray vision and beam your opinions over at us at the comments section for this episode at TwoHeadedNerd.com. After getting bogged down in our stupid real lives and realizing there would be no time to read all the comics necessary for this week's ludicrous speed round, Matt and I howled in pain at the sky and then took flight in a contrary orbit to the Earth, flying so fast 
We turn the Earth backwards on its axis, thereby reversing time Superman 1 style and giving us enough time to read and then review 10 comics for this week's Ludicrous Speed Round. And I'm pretty sure that was a whole one sentence. It was all one sentence. <laughs> Ludicrous Speed! Go! Green Lantern Corps, number 21 from DC. Van Jensen, not Robert Venditti or Joshua Hill. Feels it's co-written by Van Jensen. It's co-written by I Van got Jensen it, I got Van it. Van it just says plot by Robert Venditti. Well, that's co-writing. Comes on as writer, and Bernard Chang is on r 2 Chang does a great job here. Gives the comic a really great space sci-fi look. But I gotta ask, why are the Guardians dressing like steampunk LARPers? Because those are <laughs> not the old Guardians. I understand, but the new ones are dressed like they're gonna go to the park and hit each other with foam swords, okay? <laughs> the story is pretty solid, and I like the rest of the universe finally noticing how effed up the core is like this, but they're obviously gonna kill them. They're not. You don't think so? No, because the internet called them out on their bullshit, and now they are terrified. All right. Well, regardless, buy it. I like it. Yeah. Batman 21 from DC. So I was reading Batman 21, and this song was in my head, and I was thinking, a song from the 90s, and I was like, what song is this? What song is this? It's Sugar Ray. What? Sugar Ray from Man Scott Snyder. Yeah. Sugar Ray frontman Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo kick off the next big Batman epic zero year in this issue. I love the nod to the Golden Age Batman with the purple gloves and the way Snyder hinted at a larger mystery that will unfold as the story progresses. I'm really looking forward to more of this. I, I love it. I'm giving it a buy it. I haven't read it yet, but I'm excited. It's good. Ghost Town, number one from Action Lab. Terrorists seize a time machine and use it to send a bomb into the near future Las Vegas, reducing it to rubble and killing everyone in a 25-mile radius. This was well-written with a really great plot. I will say there was a lot of cursing, and it got a little ham-fisted, and full frontal male nudity on the second page. Dicks! The art is good, but the coloring made it look a little bland. The comic was written like a Steven Soderbergh or Paul Greengrass film. It was very fast-paced, but the art couldn't quite keep up. Good stuff, though. Giving it a bite. He just tries to make himself look smarter with those kind of movies. Doomsday, point one, number two, from IDW. This is the second issue of the post-apocalyptic sci-fi epic by John Byrne. The survivors are in deep shizzles as they get hijacked and kidnapped by a group of prisoners that have taken over a prison, and it gets a little rapey. Whoa. Everything turns out okay, though. No spoilers. I just, I love it. It turns out they like the sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, this isn't so bad. <laughs> I, I'm really enjoying this uh, series so far. I don't know where it's going. Like, the Earth is just bone. By the way, that's not a rape joke. I think rape is cool. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right. The Earth is just, just completely hosed. I don't know where the story's going from here, but right now I'm enjoying the ride. I'm giving it a buy. Six-Gun Gorilla, number one from Boom. Seisburger and artist Jeff Stokely give us a dystopic future where the suicidal are sent to the front lines of a war broadcast to the rich populace for the thrill of experiencing someone else's death. Yeah, only in comics, folks, but <laughs> there's someone else out there in the weird future West Frontier, a gun-slinging gorilla, and I fucking love him. This book was bonkers and tons of fun. Buy it. I honestly had no idea what to expect. Oh my god, it was so much I thought fun. it was just going to be like a kind of a western. Oh, it's wacky, man. It's <laughs> very strange. Savage Wolfie, number six from Marvel. 
This is the reuniting of Zeb Wells and Joe Madureira, uh, last seen together on Avenging Spider-Man. True. This is awesome. It it's, was fun. It's you know what? Savage Wolverine was not good. And no. Now it is good. And yeah, now it's good. I would definitely pick up this issue. Who cares what happened before? The hand are here. It's creepy, supernatural, ninja stuff. Great art. Fun story. Zeb Wells as Spider-Man. The Kingpin is back. We haven't seen him for a while. Yeah. I could read Zeb Wells as Spider-Man every day. I love it. Although, uh, no, this is not Otto Octavius. This book does take place in the past. It says so on the recap page. Yeah, they Don't start get your out panties like in a bunch. Right. But, but it's a buy it for me. I loved it. There you go. The Crow, Kurari, number one from IDW. And Kurari refers to an extract from a plant used on poison in arrows and skeletal muscle relaxants. Here it was used in the rape and murder of a seven to nine-year-old girl. And it looks like Andy Sibowitz from NYPD Blue is getting a visit from the Crow to solve the case he's become obsessed with. Does his butt make an appearance? This is, yes, actually. Hey! It's an amazing feel-bad story here with great art by Antoine Daudet. James O'Barr proves he has still got it. I cannot wait to read more of this. This comic was excellent. If you enjoyed Warren Ellis' Fell, if you enjoyed shows like Breaking Bad, this was really, really good stuff. Buy it. Not never with a feather. Breath of Bones, colon, A Tale of the Gollum, number one, from Dark Horse. Steve Niles and artist Dave Wachter, or Wachter, sorry Dave, go Wachter, present a tale of what I think will be a Jewish soldier Summoning a golem to fight Nazis in World War II. At least that's what it—that's what the cover implies. Yeah, that's what's going on. You don't get any of that in this issue, though. The thing is, the story was so compelling and the art was so beautiful that I didn't care. Wow. This gets a buy it. You're becoming Steve Niles' super fan. <laughs> I never hated Steve Niles. He just wasn't know. writing books I was interested in. Fair enough. Drink. Cerisis, number one from Big Dog Inc. I was tempted to call this psoriasis, but it's not funny to make jokes about that. We have friends who suffer from it. Big Dog throws their hat into the all-ages comics ring with the story of two hapless humans transported to an alien planet to help a race of talking alien snakes. And there is way too much dialogue here for this to be a kid's book. No kid is going to read that. Yeah, and the dialogue comes off as really nerdy. Not bad art if you like the Fred Perry School of Manga, but I don't know what kind of kid is going to get into this. I'm going to read it. Thor, God of Thunder, number nine from Marvel. This is straight up the most heavy metal comic book I have ever read. Three Thors from three different eras take the fight to Gore the God Butcher and his planet-sized God Bomb. The art by Isad Ribic is heartbreakingly gorgeous. I can't believe how beautiful it is. Yeah. Why? Are you not reading this comic, you dummies? Buy it. This is going to blow you away. Thor, God of Thunder, came in at number 33. That's stupid. This, comic sales. This I is, can't believe that. This is the best comic Marvel's putting out. This is at least in Marvel's t- top five best Marvel I'm books. saying number one. I love it. It's really good. Zash! That is your ludicrous speed round and Zash! is the sound of the Rob Liefeld looking laser cannons fired by the frog police as seen in this week's issue of Green Lantern Corps number 21. They were. They were frog police. They were totally frog police. I get it. (laughs) With the press at an all-time low level of trust for the American government, we decided now would be the perfect time to invite our good friend Perry White 
over for a bourbon in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, and after plying him with copious amounts of sweet brown truth serum, we'd call in our friend, the ghost of Great Caesar himself, to question Perry on what he knows about next week's comics. Turns out he knows a lot. Joe Patrick, what has this whistleblower got you excited for next week? I'm looking forward to The Age of Ultron number 10 from Marvel Comics, written by B.M. Bendis, with art by Brandon Peterson, Carlos Pacheco, etc., etc., etc. There's a lot of people involved in this There one. is a lot of people involved. Here's your solicit. The finale! The biggest secret in comics will be revealed. Psst, it's Angela. An <laughs> ending so confidential, even the artists of this book... Don't know what lies on the final pages. We've got kinky wizards showing up to play D anD. d That's right. Pugs are going crazy. They're freaking <laughs> out. A surprise so big that comic book legend Joe Casada himself returns to the pages of Marvel Comics to draw a sequence that people will be talking about for years. Is it like the last page or what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. A sequence. Uh, this issue, they're shipping it polybagged, which Great. is so dumb. Great, stealing it from the internet. <laughs> <laughs> kidding (laughs) we would never do such no i've been down on age of ultron but i think in the last couple issues it has really ramped up into like crazy fun time travel sci-fi i've been saving it up i'm gonna read it all especially the last three have been really great uh but you know what fun fact who has never appeared in this comic book not even once ultron (laughs) really drones and that's it huh yep Wow. But still, I, I want to see how it all ends. I want to see what this big mystery is. I know that it's more than just Angela. Sure. But it's going to be a star-studded finale. I think it'll be good. Swell. Matt, what's your pick for next week? My pick is X-Files Season 10, Number 1, from IDW. <laughs> for years, they investigated the paranormal, pursued the monsters of the week, and sought the truth behind the extraterrestrial activity, along with the grand conspiracy surrounding it rooted deep within their own government. But when Agents Mulder and Scully reunite for a new ongoing series that ushers the X-Files into a new era of technological paranoia, multinational concerns, and otherworldly threats, it'll take more than a desire to believe to make it out alive. I loved the damn X-Files. I loved it. This is supposedly Chris Carter's idea for where he wanted the show to go, but it kind of got hijacked from him. He wanted it to sort of take a right turn and fox went no let's go left and the actors left <laughs> you know and that's when that's when t-1000 t- yeah, joined the team t-1000 showed up and i even liked that season it was not good i, I kind of did too yeah it turned out fun i'm excited for this and if it's good and i've got that little hole where x-files used to live in my life filled yeah i'll take it i think it'll be fun the thn trade of the week goes to saga volume two the trade paperback by brian k period vaughn and fiona staples i'm not gonna read you solicit here's the deal if you're not is. reading Saga by now, we talk about it so damn much. It's Star Wars with a heart is what it is. It is space, fantasy, fiction, soap opera, fun. It's so damn good, you guys. Pick this up. There's no reason why you shouldn't be reading it. By the way, this collects number 7 through 12. There you go. Get you all caught up in time for the next issue. Of course, we want to know what you're looking forward to. So be sure to tell us... What your unnamed sources have you excited for next week over at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash two-headed nerd, period. Don't put the period in there.
in the morning, gotta thank God. I don't know, but whence it seems kinda odd. No barking from the dogs, no smog. And UPS delivered comics with no missing box. I got my nerd on, but didn't wig out. Finally got an issue from DC, I wanna check out. Hooked it up on the toilet as I did the do. Thinking, will I actually like the bats and soups too? <laughs> Joe Patrick's getting too good at this. It's almost not fun anymore. When my man Joy P hits the mic like that, it means the comic pushers are back and peddling highly addictive comic product to impressionable young nerds. This week, a cat pee smelling skank named Yaki Niku Girl writes. That's not nice to say. Too bad. She's a junkie. Dear comic pushers, I'm excited for the new Superman film because it actually looks good for a change, but I've never read any Superman comics. I picked up some Batman stuff after seeing his latest movies, Killing Joke, Dark Knight Returns, etc., but I'm not sure what Superman stories I should check out. Help! Exclamation point. Help! That's with four exclamation points. <laughs> That's, so, she really uh, needs it. She's serious. What, what are you prescribing for Yaki Niku Girl here? Okay, now normally my go-to is uh, John Burns' Man of Steel. It matches the name, but I don't think in this case I don't think it's it really going to scratch that itch. This is why I picked this one, because like, I mean, the movie is, you know, I haven't seen it yet, but it's, it's very much an updated Superman. Now, obviously, it's going to draw on some stuff much like Christopher Nolan's Bat stuff did. Right, and I will go ahead and tell you right now with no spoilers that it is a departure from a lot of the Superman mythos. But I will say that I think the best thing you could probably read to get you primed for Man of Steel... And I'm going to defer this to you, because I haven't seen it yet, so this sure. is yours. You I answer. think I think one of the best things to read to, to prime you for this version of the Man of Steel is probably Mark Wade's Superman Birthright. Okay. I love In fact, that story. In fact, there are a lot of moments from Superman Birthright that actually are echoed in Man of Steel. Really? Yeah. Really? I mean, you know, you can, you can make that leap. Is Wade's name anywhere on there? Like no, a no, special no, no, thanks no, or anything? No, no, no. I mean, they probably took inspiration from a lot of different material. So that would probably be the book I think would help you the most. It's it's a whole lot about the in between the time in between Clark Kent uh, learning about his heritage and deciding he he needs to do something with his life, and then actually becoming Superman. There's like a gap, right? Sure. And Birthright falls in that gap, which you've seen in the trailers. Man of Steel addresses that a bit as well. And then later on, there's an attack from a force. I won't say what. <laughs> and I just think it, it echoes... General Zod, it's in the commercial. No, in the movie, yes, but oh, not in Superman, in Superman Birthright. Birthright. I'm sorry. Uh, and so I think that it it echoes very nicely the, the path of the Man of Steel film. And I think the modern take on Superman's origin and the modernized versions of Mon Pa Kent and, and Krypton will be a little bit more appreciated than than some of the past versions. Don't go into it thinking it's going to be a direct, you know, match with Man of Steel. Man of Steel does its own thing completely. Yeah, much like the Batman movies, this will be a departure. It's going to be different. But in terms of path of the character, I, I think that Superman Birthright is a great place to start. And okay. that'll set you up for... You know, any other Superman stuff you want to read. Where does she go from there if she wants to pick up a Superman series? Well, I think Superman Unchained is a good start. Yeah. Uh, it started just Seeing this as week. the other two are basically throwaway. Yeah. You know, and I meant to mention this in re- in my review. As much 
as I enjoyed Grant Morrison's action comics at first. It's almost like it's a different version of the character. You know what? I wanted to mention that, too, because even I was going to say that. I feel like Scott Snyder in Superman Unchained touched on something very human about Superman that we have not seen and that Grant Morrison didn't even touch. Right. And I think that the Grant Morrison version is just kind of a departure from the character as he is as he was, you right. know, in the new 52, all bets are off. But, um, I think Superman Unchained is a great start. You can get on, on the ground floor. You can't do wrong with Scott Snyder and Jim Lee. If you want to read some older stuff, that's a little bit more modern. Check out Jeff Johns's run on action comics. Yeah. Starting with, uh, last son, mm-hmm. Ooh, which he co-wrote with Richard Donner and, uh, culminating in, I think the brainiac. Yeah. That After that, it gets into new Krypton, which is fine, but it was you can, fine, but you that, can... man, that brainiac story. Oh, that was yeah. good. So Oof. I think from Superman birthright, you can easily jump into a bunch of stuff that's still in print. And then Superman unchained is the current version of Superman in the current DC universe. And it's legitimately great. And I think that that would be a great place for you to start. Like I said, I'm a defer because I haven't seen Superman yet, but that sounds like a pretty good answer to me. Great question, Yakiniku Girl, and very timely. We appreciate it. If you're looking for some new reads, hit us up at our email with the subject line, Comic Pushers, and tell us what you're into, and we'll have you hooked on some seriously addictive comics in no time. Plus, I'll get to rap. Yep. And everybody loves it. He loves rapping. Sort of, sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for Superman Saves the DCU episode of THN. If you're also good and damn ready for Superman comic that doesn't make your nose wrinkle in disgust, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher, where you can swear your THN allegiance by leaving us a star rating and written review or a Stitcher thumbs up and help us to connect with other potential listeners. Huge thanks to all of our past donors. And if you'd like to help keep us in red underpants and disposable eyeglasses, you can make your donation in any amount. Those things are just for show. He sure. doesn't need them. You don't need them. You can use our adorable little PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. Push the button. Nobody's pushed it for a little while and we're f-ing starving. We're here. broke. While you out of money. We should do th on the THN on the skids and get like really cheap microphones and make it sound all scratchy in the background. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed at twoheadednerd, our email twoheadednerd at gmail.com, our YouTube channel. THN Comic Cast, all one word. Our Skype handle, Two Headed Nerd, all one word. And our new direct phone number, 402 819 4894, where you can send slash call us with your Ask a Nerd questions, ask the comic pushers what you should be reading, or ask us to review your self published comic, be it printed, digital, or whatever. Or hey, you can just call us and say hi. And don't forget to check out all the new content from the THN Love Slaves at TwoHeadedNerd.com, including a spoiler-free review of Man of Steel by the Credible Hulk and some reviews of the old Superman animated series by the Credible Hulk. We can't stop this guy. That's right. And if Shasta ever gets it done, which I just saw a little update a few minutes ago, I think it's finished, we'll have a Game of Thrones Season 3 recap by Casey Baum as part of her Girl Meets Nerd blog. Hey. Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the Question of the Week discussion. Remember that next week's answer of the week is going to be the Man of Steel special. If you have thoughts about Man of Steel, post your spoiler-filled opinions in a private message. Or an email. Or send us an email. Or call us. Or call us. Do not post them on Facebook. You will be deleted. 
Be kind to your fellow listeners, and we will read your thoughts on the show next week. And on the next THN, we keep the soups love coming when we review Superman Earth One Volume Two as part of our monthly Take a Look. It's in a book segment before we go. A weekly shout-out goes to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Word to you, Blackhawks and Bruins, for giving me the best damn five-hour playoff hockey game I can remember. And until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics. Your retailer just kiss you on the mouth for it. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. Is hockey the one with the shoulder pads? That's, well, yes. Sports fan. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Third period. Last game in the playoffs, too.